This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Hey, I want to start this morning by acknowledging uh, those who have served uh, in our armed forces. This is Veterans Day weekend, uh, and I want to just say to you who have served, and for those of you who are family, um, thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, your commitment and your willingness um, to stand up and to live for something greater than yourself. And uh, I'm a recipient of your service and your sacrifice. And I know that you would be the first to say um, that you're just doing your duty. Um, But I am so very grateful. Uh, I grew up in a time when um, many of my teachers uh, were veterans from World War II or from the Korean War. They were the firefighters and the police officers in my community. They were the the small businessmen. They were the civic leaders. Um, And so uh, from a young age, I had instilled in me uh, an appreciation uh, for those who serve uh, our nation, uh, the men and women. Uh, I remember my elementary school teacher. His name was Chuck Monday, Mr. Monday. And every Friday, he'd have the whole school muster in the front parking lot of the elementary school. And you'd, you'd stand in formation by your class. And uh, there'd be the elementary school band would come out. And they'd raise the flag, and the band would play. And with the one arm that he had, because he had lost an arm in the Pacific, um, Mr. Monday... would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. So I am indeed grateful and I'm thankful for the contributions of our servicemen and women, not only in active duty, but what they do and they contribute to our community um, after their service is over. And because of that, I've always been a, a student of history, especially military history, and uh, I have this on my desk. Uh, the Bistadu family went to France last year. And uh, they went to Normandy. And I, I said, hey, listen, could you do me a favor? I've always wanted to go. Someday I'll get there. But when you're at Omaha Beach, would you collect some sand for me? And in this little bottle is some sand and rock from Omaha Beach in Normandy. And it is a reminder to me of how grateful I am um, for the sacrifices of our service personnel. I just I'd share that with you. Um, this week, I had the privilege 
of going for coffee at Jitters with a young airman. He had visited our church this last week. And afterwards, he raced up. It was the second service. And he said, Pastor, he goes, I really enjoyed service today. He said, I want to serve. You just tell me where you need help, and I want to do it. It was my, my first interaction with this young man. And I said, well, you know what? Why don't we go get some coffee? I'd like to get to know you and find out about you. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. And so we did. So this week we went to coffee. And I talked with him and asked him questions about, you know, where he grew up and about his life. And, and uh, then I said, so how, or what led you um, to want to serve in the Air Force as an airman. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor, you know, I'm so grateful for the, for the privileges and the blessings I have to live in America. I just figure it's the right thing to do to serve my country. That was his reason. And man, I was just so blessed and so encouraged. We read a lot in the news about young people and their activities. Uh, but here's a young man uh, who's doing the right thing for the right reasons. And our country is blessed with many of them. But as I thought about that, his reflection on, you know, I'm just so grateful for the blessings of living in America, that it, I feel it's my responsibility, it's my duty, it's my privilege to serve. That's exactly the train of thought that the Apostle Paul has when it comes to living a life-transforming walk with Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. Open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 12. Now, before I read to you verses 1 and 2, and that's where we're going to look here to start, let me give you some background. Um, in the book of Romans, in chapters 1 through 11, Paul presents um, a wonderful theologic treatment of the grace and mercy of God. Okay? First 11 chapters, that's what he's talking about, that's what he's teaching but there's going to be a transition that takes place in the book, beginning in chapter 12 and following. And, and really that transition is, in light of these things, this is how you and I, as followers of Jesus, are to live. And we are to live in such a way that literally we are having a life-transforming walk with Jesus. And so after Paul lays out this great theology and uh, just expounds upon the grace of God, then beginning in chapter 12, he says, in light of these things, now this is how we should live. But to get a real clue to his train of thought, if you look in Romans 11, verse 36, uh, really, 33 through 36 is a, is a doxology. It's a giving praise and glory to God. But in verse 36, 
which is the last verse of chapter 11 before he moves in to the very practical application beginning in chapter 12. He says this, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Okay? Now, what Paul is going to say is, in light of the marvelous grace of God, in light of the blessings and the mercies that that we receive from Him, to Him be the glory forever. Amen. And in light of that wonderful grace, therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, I counsel you, I exhort you. That's that's what that word urge literally means there. Brothers and sisters, in view of this wonderful grace of God's mercy to offer your bodies or yourselves as a living sacrifice. Now, he's using here the language of Old Testament ritual sacrifice. Okay? And in the Old Testament, an animal would be offered up to God. Now, the animal um, had no say, had no choice in the matter. Uh, The animal was selected, and then the animal was offered to God. Now, once that offering was made, it, it couldn't be rescinded or taken back. And so what he's saying here is Jesus is the one sufficient, perfect sacrifice for our sin. His blood covers, cleanses, washes us. It's the grace of God. It's His unmerited favor towards us. And so in light of that, we no longer offer animal sacrifice. The the Old Testament ritual sacrificial system is no longer in effect. Jesus is the one sufficient, perfect sacrifice. Okay? But, now, in response to that, we offer ourselves by our will, by our volition, by our choice, as a living sacrifice. The thought here is that worship is offering one's whole life to God. Now, once we do that, we can't take it back. It's offered to Him. And so, in view of God's mercy, he writes to offer yourselves or your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. Now you remember in the temple sacrifices that the animal that was sacrificed had to be what? Spotless. It it, it had to be uh, pure. It it had to be as, as close to perfect as possible. But even then, it wasn't completely Only Christ is the one sufficient, perfect sacrifice. 
And all those sacrifices prefigured and pointed their way to the one who was going to be the perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ, the one who is both priest and sacrifice, okay? And so Paul, using this imagery of of ritual sacrifice, says, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That word conform literally means don't masquerade. Don't, don't, Don't take on an appearance of living in a way that's inconsistent with the reality of of what Christ has done in your life. Don't masquerade to be something other than who you really are in Christ. Don't conform to the values and to the practices of, 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 of people in the world. But live and present yourself in a way that is true to who you've been created to be in Christ. That's what he's saying here. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that word transformed is where we get our word metamorphosis from. And what it means here is, rather than masquerading, let your outer appearance be transformed to reflect the reality, the spiritual reality of who you are in Christ now. That's what he's saying. Don't masquerade. Be authentically who you are in Christ. And and let that be visible. So in other words, what he's saying is your conduct, how you live, your moral character needs to be consistent with the One who lives in you. Then he goes on. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, we can't do that on our own. What this is really referring to is the hope that we have in Christ through God's Word, through God's promises. We are fortunate to have the Word of God They had the Old Testament and and they had what was beginning to be what we know as the New Testament writings. But as we encounter that, as we understand that, as we immerse ourselves in the truth of what Christ has done for us, that the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, takes the promises of God, and literally begins to renew our minds. So that we make godly choices. So that we make decisions in issues of character or issues of our own personal walk and relationship with God that reflect the very character and nature of Jesus Christ. That the work of the Holy Spirit in us is changing us, is renewing us. And that work of renewal is ongoing. That that we make a conscious decision to engage God, to engage His Word, and to invite the Holy Spirit to work 
in our hearts and our minds. So that by the power of that Spirit, we can live a transformed life and we can walk with Jesus. And so, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then He's going to move back to the, to the language of sacrifice. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. And really what that saying is, finding out the worth or value of something by literally putting it into practice. That when we do that, not only do we have an outward character or an expression of moral character outwardly in how we live and interact with each other and our fellow human beings, but inwardly there is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that reflects the fact that we've been set apart by God for God. That's called holiness. And that we acknowledge that He's in work in us and our desire is to be right. And just as that, that sacrificial animal would be good and pleasing and perfect, as close to spotless as could be, so our desire is to be good and pleasing before God, our Heavenly Father in light of all that He's done through Jesus Christ. And so literally what Paul is saying, in light of the mercy and grace of God, that we need to live a dedicated life. We need to choose to do that. Not to be outwardly something we're not, but on the contrary, to let our outward life reflect the inward reality of who we are in Christ. To be transformed. As the Holy Spirit is at work within us, renewing our mind and our heart and our lives to live for Him. Isn't that good stuff? Aren't you glad you came to church today to hear that? Man! But you see, that's the key. That's, that's the key to a, a life-transformed walk with Jesus. That a dedicated life is the beginning of a transformed life. Now he, he goes on in Ephesians. You can see a similar train of thought. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. You turn to that. Okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Isn't that interesting? In the passage in Romans, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Here in Ephesians, this is the same train of thought, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, listen, live into who you are now in Christ. Put off the old self, put on the new self. And, and what that really is, is giving imagery of is of a person taking off worn and dirty 
useless clothing. Taking that off and putting on new clothing. Okay? That literally we are called to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And to live and to walk in that covering. So there's this great exchange that happens that we give up the old, worthless, sinful, dirty, filthy rags that we're wearing, representing our life outside of Christ, and we're to put on His righteousness. Wow! When Lori and I were engaged, it was just a few weeks before our our wedding day, I came to my apartment, and Lori had got in, and I noticed in my underwear drawer, my underwear uh, that was, let me see, 78, 84, six years old, okay? The last new underwear I got was the Christmas before my mother died. All that underwear was gone. We replaced with new underwear. Then I went into my closet in the endangered species called polyester that had been hanging in my closet, my, my leisure suits. They were gone. In my marriage, or pending marriage to Lori, there was a new reality. Okay? Now, she took me to this department store in Pasadena, California, and she maxed out her credit card. What do you call when women, they get married, they get a trousseau? I got the trousseau! I got a camel-haired suit, and I got, I mean, button-down collar shirts and khaki slacks. I mean, I was reinvented. Okay? Because Lori had a vision of me being something different than I saw myself. Do you see that's what Paul's saying in this verse? Now, why in the world, if Lori would do that for me, would I, would I go try to find that old clothing and put it back on? Why would I want to do that? I mean, that'd be crazy, right? So I've thought about that, and I want to show you a video. And then I'll explain the correlation. Let's look at the video. Lieutenant, sir, when I landed on D-Day, I found myself in a ditch all by myself. I fell asleep. I think it was those air sickness pills they gave us. When I woke up, I didn't really try to find my unit. I just kind of stayed put. What's your name, Trooper? Blasher. Albert Blythe. You know why you hid in that ditch, Blythe? I was scared. We're all scared. 
You hid in that ditch because you think there's still hope. But Blythe, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier's supposed to function. All war depends upon it. Turn that off, thank you. Do, do you know why I'm tempted or was tempted to go back and reclaim my old polyester? So it's the same reason the lieutenant gives to the private. You see, I can't live a, a life-transforming walk with Jesus if I put my hope in things that I'm supposed to be dead to. And there's an indication that somewhere in me I'm trying to hold on to the old self. I'm putting hope in the old self. When in reality, the Lord is calling me to be dead to those things. To die to those things. To acknowledge that I have been crucified, buried, and raised with Christ. And there's nothing apart from that that has value, or there's nothing apart from that that I should put my hope in. Because as long as my hope is in something other than that, then I can't live a a fully transformed life. I don't want to go back to the closet with the old polyester. I want to put my hope in in the new wardrobe. In Christ's righteousness. Paul says it this way. I love this. Are you ready? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. To live for Christ is to live like Christ. It's to put off the old person and put on the new person. It's to give up the hope that I've had in the old way and embrace the true and living hope of the new way. Christ's death leads to new life. A life of giving ourselves in sacrificial service to our Lord. Jesus said it this way. Mark 8.34-37 Whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Again, the Apostle Paul says it this way. Philippians 1.21 For to me... You got that there? Philippians 1.21 For to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Do you see that? To live is Christ, to die is gain. And so today, 
as we value a life-transforming walk with Jesus, as that is one of our values as a church, I call on each of us to examine our hearts and say, what is it in our old closet, our old wardrobe that we keep going back to, that we put our hope in? And today we ask the Lord to help us fully put to death the old man or woman so that the new man or woman can live a life-transforming walk with Jesus. Can't do it on our own. It's a constant work of the Holy Spirit in us. But that's where, fa- that's where fulfillment is found. As the worship team comes up, I want to close with a, a story. You remember Pastor Simon. He was here with us a couple of years ago. And, and this is last June. He was killed on the, the border of Kenya and Somalia by some terrorists. And when I first heard the news, it was put in such a way that someone said they, they took, these terrorists took Pastor Simon's life. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, no, they didn't take his life. Because he had already given his life away. He had already made a decision to live and to walk with Christ. And you can't take something that someone's already given up. And today, as we continue in worship and as we close in our service, the prayer team is in the back. They're waiting to pray with you. If there's something that you need to give up that's keeping you from fully engaging that life-transforming walk with Jesus, if there is old clothing that you need to take off in order to put on a garment of His righteousness. Today's the day to do it. Go on back. Get prayed for. Let's do our business the remainder of the service for the Lord. And let's commit to encouraging one another into living that life-transforming walk with Jesus.